0: So you stay there for two months, right? Yeah, I there for two months. Yeah. And then you come back, right. and you walk into your first AA meeting in New York City. Yes. What were your first impressions?
1: I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so I found this meeting called Saturday Beginners, and I walk in, and um, it's the holiday party. and. Um, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's just like there's a great energy to it. Yeah, the people look like me. There are some young people in there that were my age. Some girls are there. Some girls are there, which like makes it look like okay, not everyone's like 80 years old in this place. Yep. You know, just
0: the energy. Like people, like the thing I remember is that people looked like really, really, really happy. So I met Alan in 2007, and we spent a lot of days drinking together, and we spent a lot of years taking pills together, and. Now we've spent a lot of years in sobriety rooms together. Welcome to another episode of Keep Coming Back, real stories of sobriety and recovery. You know, this episode reminded me a lot of a time for me in very early sobriety. I probably had like 40 or 50 days. And you know it's suggested in the beginning to get a sponsor right away. And so through a friend of mine, I was actually referred to a sober workout instructor here in New York City. And I reached out and he said, Meet me at the corner of Maiden Lane in Broadway at a bench in front of a soul cycle at five PM, which was which was I thought that was an odd choice to meet, but I went with it. And I came and we started talking and I explained my story and I and I asked all the questions that someone with 40 days might ask. I would say, So do I need to stop going to bars? Do I need to get new friends? Um, how many meetings should I go to? And you know he just kept saying like you'll see you'll figure it out you'll see go to a lot of meetings, and at some point I just remember groaning and like you know, like one of those like very like teenage put my hands on my head groans and saying like God it's like I have to create this whole new life for myself, and now the the funny thing is that this life that I was complaining about giving up uh, had essentially been for the last year me going to work coming home taking pills putting on House of Cards or something on Netflix, drooling on myself, passing out halfway through the show, usually spilling a drink within my bed, and then just repeating that. Uh, And so at this point, my friendship circles dwindled to like a few hardcore users, which included Alan, but a few other hardcore users. And I'm sort of just on this hamster wheel of Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, recover Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, feel okay, do it all over again. And so this was the life I was hesitant to give up, and I, was, and I didn't want to change. And when I said, ugh, I have to start a whole new life again, this guy who was my interim sponsor said, dude, you get to start a whole new life. You're lucky. He said, I've been sober a really long time. I think he had 10 years. He said, I've been sober a long time, and most of my friends that I use with are dead or in jail, and you made it. And at the time, I didn't like see that, right? Like my brain was spinning too much to see that. But now I see he was right, you know. And and today, I think there are two ways that I kind of view my life in sobriety or view this new life that he talked about. One is that, and this is a popular way to view things, is that the person that I am today was always there, right? Like a snake shedding its skin almost. That this person's growth was basically stunted or halted from the time that I picked up a drink. And then suddenly that drink became the solution. Now, the second way that I've heard this new life in sobriety described, and this is the one that sort of I subscribe to, is that in sobriety, we grow up really, really fast. You know, my whole life leading up to this point, I really didn't know how to handle myself in relationships, in conflict. Like, I didn't know like the vocabulary emotionally and literally. I was the person sort of shitting in the corner and hoping you'd forget about it or the person who said something offensive and then waited for you to come around to the idea that you were the one that was actually wrong. And what I've learned in this, you know, short time of of recovery is to act like an adult and to see my part in things and to own up to it, to let people know in a healthy way, not a dramatic and angry way when they've done something or said something to hurt me or bother me. Um, And, you know, just to bring this full circle, you know, I learned who I wanted to surround myself with because at the end of my using, I was hanging out with some pretty bad dudes, people with some you know lower morals. And Alan, however, is someone who I was friends with when I was active. We've gone on this sober journey together. He's not only one of my closest friends, but he's one of the best people in my life. And so with that, I'm gonna give you my interview with Alan C. I've asked every person in the podcast so far to the question of, Tell me a story that would define your drinking right but since you're a special case because you're gonna be the only person I interviewed that we drank together we got high together yeah. so tell me a story that you think defines our drinking so you know it's so this is a story that, that I've told
1: before when I qualified yeah uh, and I've talked and I guess you know qualifications you know when you tell your story and stuff to other alcoholics it was a New Year's Eve before before I got sober so it was the New Year's of 2000. 14 and 14 going into 15, I think. Yeah. And uh, we've had many New Year's trips together. Yeah. Pretty debaucherous New Year's trips. And I remember us, uh, you know, discussing and, you know, we would go away on these New Year's trips and it would be a shit show and we would go bananas and we'd come back and it it wouldn't be a vacation. You know, we'd be recovering for two weeks after that vacation. You know, we were discussing like where to go. And we were both, I remember us both talking, we're like, listen, this vacation, like, we just want to take it easy, you know, want to, like, just, like, relax and, like, really just, like, you know, enjoy ourselves. Right. And, like, not do drugs, you know, because right. at that point we were, like, we were both, like, doing way too many opiates and, like, it wasn't fun anymore. And, like, we wanted to just, like, stop stop the cycle, really. Yeah. So, uh, you know, clearly we both decided on Cartagena, Colombia. <laughs> Great idea, you know. Yeah. So this is where, like, our, uh, you know, our geniuses came together and that's what we decided to go on. And I remember us both saying, you know, we're not going to take any opiates. Yeah. You know, we're not going to take it on the trip. We won't be able to get it. We'll be great and we'll be fine. And we're also going to take it easy. You know, we're not going to do a lot of drugs. We'll just like drink and right. enjoy Relaxing ourselves.
0: Relaxing New Year's Eve trip.
1: We rented, a, you know, a great penthouse apartment yep. on, on the on the water. Lots of potential. <laughs> and, we, and we go in there, no opiates. We didn't bring anything yeah. at all. Yep. And, um, and we got there and our plan to not to take it easy probably lasted like two hours you know right i had already been there so i had the guy meet us at the airport and he was like ready with all the party supplies
0: and we got to the apartment and um and you know we just went wild i just remember next thing you know we're in the middle of the streets of cartagena and we're we're soliciting complete strangers for like oxies. yeah and then eventually finding it like bribing a doctor to give us a prescription for oxies. yeah that's
1: like the story that i tell because it's like we were so powerless to not do any of that even in this like country that we didn't know we were like on the streets like on a vacation in like a beautiful place like trying to like finding some homeless like drug addict yeah to get us like you know oxys like we were incapable of like
0: not doing it for a few days so fast forward to i think it was last october so almost a year ago and there's a big meeting in new york called monday men's which yeah. is like one of the bigger men's meetings in new york and you were chairing the meeting at the time and you had asked me to speak for you And I remember, uh, it's a pretty big meeting, like 150, 200 guys. I just remember this moment where like you handed me the microphone and you introduced me. And I was like, this is crazy. Okay. Like, what were you thinking? Didn't you have a moment of like, wow, I can't believe we've gone from soliciting for opiates on the streets of Cartagena. And now you're handing me a microphone at an AA meeting.
1: Yeah, just crazy that. That we we're both sober that we both got it and I mean I didn't think that this would be the path that, that we would end up on you know for yeah some, for in in my head you know uh, I thought that we would somehow figure it out and be able to both stop sure and you know obviously in the beginning it's just about like stopping like the, the cycle of, of, of drugs and alcohol you know yeah it's crazy to to be in AA now for four years and like you know chairing that meeting and and giving you know one of my closest friends the mic I don't know. I would just, you know, it's like very cliche, but I would say it's a miracle, you know? It I, is. I don't know how else to kind of describe it.
0: So walk me through the end, you know, when we're, we're going to Cartagena, the end of that to the moment where you walked into your first 12-step recovery room. Oh. Take me through <laughs> that. In like, you know, the three-minute version.
1: The three-minute version. Okay. So, you know, we go on that trip and it was obviously a, a disaster, but... um. That didn't end the cycle, obviously. Right. And, uh, you know, I think for a little bit, I think probably both of us, we both wanted to stop doing what we were doing. We just didn't know how. I
0: wanted to stop. I wanted to, qu- I quit every day. I quit every <laughs> Sunday for like 10 years. Right,
1: right, right. Yeah. But I I, I didn't know how to, or I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know anyone that was sober. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, it was like, a, you know, I guess it's a bottom. For me, it was a medical bottom. It was that summer and I was uh, with my family down, uh, down the shore. And uh, I ended up having a blood clot and ended up in the hospital. And, um, you know, that's where everything kind of came out. Right. That, uh, you know, I was doing drugs and I was drinking a lot.
0: Obviously, you weren't planning on having a blood clot, but weren't you like, you still could have fought? I was always in denial and I certainly didn't want my family knowing what I was doing because I would get shit for it. Yeah. So were you like, this is a great moment for me to like just fess up and just say what's going on? Or, or do you think, did it slip out? Or like, how did, how, what happened?
1: I think, I think it's like different for everyone. And I think like, uh, I mean, I, this language wouldn't be coming out of me. Like, and if I wasn't in AA, but I think it was like, whatever they say, like a moment of grace, it was like God intervening in my life. Cause like, that's what I needed yeah. to admit. I think in a lot of people, they had that like slight, like crack the door opens like just like slight like a little bit where like if you jump through it and like you open that door and you ask for help because that's what happened to me like my family came in and like I was like yeah most of the time like if, if anyone came to me if I wasn't in that position and someone came to me and said like hey you should stop like you know drinking using drugs I tell them to go fuck off and tell them that they're they're an alcoholic yeah. or something you know but like I was in that position and i was in that like i had that moment and like it was just that that window you know if it it happened any other way or any other time i wouldn't have taken that chance and you know my family asked me if i wanted help and i said yes and like that and i think a lot of people have that and like that sets off a chain of events that like you can't really describe of like why it works or how it works but like it works you take that chance and like then you're off to the races right
0: and for you now i know obviously your story pretty cold but Your family says, do you want help? You say yes, thinking, oh, they're going to send me off to some passages, Malibu, cushy rehab. What happened? So, yeah, so they show me some
1: pictures and they're like, hey, this looks, you you know, I was going to go on vacation at the end of August anyway. And it was the end of August and they're like, hey, you know, um, we have, we found this place for you. It was already set up, you know, take a look at it. It looks great. And they're like, it's in Israel. Okay. uh, and I'm like uh, and you know'm I'm, I'm like laying in the bed I' I'm, I'm, I'm on you know, I'm not in the best state of mind, I'm not thinking so clearly, but you know, I just said yes and they said, do you want to stop doing what you're doing?
0: And I said yes and
1: um, I was shipped off to uh, to a rehab in in Israel.
0: Now, you weren't doing backflips into a big swimming pool overlooking a bluff though, right right right. right. So it was pretty
1: hardcore. Um, it wasn't like a cushy cushy type of rehab where everything's done for you. you know I get there it's uh you know i think i'm gonna be like living in this plush like place it's a house outside of tel aviv uh and i get there and i get to my room and it's in a basement of this house and there's like you know like there's three twin beds and i'm like you know how did i get myself into this into this situation you know like one kid's like snoring and the other kid's like you know doing doing something else in the corner and i'm like in this room and i'm like how did i get here Mm -hmm. you know and um and uh, it wasn't so cushy it wasn't so 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 great but you know it, it worked for me but uh, you know I think a lot of the kids in this place uh, they're a little bit younger than me but they were like chronic relapsers you know didn't have like any kind of like direction in life really you know it's not to say it's not what I needed but uh, you know it helped me get sober and helped uh, I guess help some other kids get sober
0: now the funny parallel is our sobrieties are very different but at the same time, they parallel each other. So at the same time that you're going to rehab, I make the decision that I'm gonna stop taking opiates. Right. I'm not gonna stop drinking, not gonna stop doing cocaine, not gonna stop taking Ambien, Xanax, Adderall, all the things that I was doing, just gonna stop taking opiates because I think that's the problem. Right. And I remember writing you when you were in rehab, like we, you could still text me. Yeah, yeah, And I would say like, how's it going? By the way, I'm going to meetings. That was another thing I was doing. I was going to meetings, raising my hand, saying I was sober. Right. I was just using the meetings for this reason so you stay there for two months right
1: yeah I stay there for two months and then
0: you come back right and you walk into your first AA meeting in New York City yes what were your first impressions I'm fucked (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm fucked what do you mean like I'm fucked like my life is over like what do you mean
1: yeah yeah you know like I I come back um you know I, I come back most of the people that stayed at this place for six months, and I stayed there for two months, right. and I'm like, I he want got to get off back. easy. I want to get back. Most of the kids had no options because their parents are paying for everything; and they have no money. So I, I flew myself out. You know, yeah. and this is against like my parents' wishes, my brother's wishes, like the rehab's wishes. I'm coming back. Everyone's against it, you know. And I'm like, I just need to stay sober. And I go to my first AA meeting. It was in the middle of the day. And like like we know now, the, the middle of the day probably aren't the best meetings right. to go to. Went to a meeting, I think it was on 14th and 1st in some synagogue. And um, I identified with the story that they told, but they didn't look like me. They didn't talk like me. They they just weren't like me. Right. And I'm like, this is, you know, what I'm resigned to do, you know, at least until like the heat's
0: off me, you know? And so when then did you finally find a meeting that you're like, okay, this this will work? Like I, yeah. like, I like it here
1: like i was in this mode like when i got back from the city i really wasn't doing much you know it was like you're going goal. to iop also right? i was going to, i was going to iop right. it was like it was like an outpatient rehab uh at night so i was basically just like going to work and then working and then going to this iop program at like five o'clock to like eight and like you know my life was like pretty small it's like you know this is what i'm saying like yeah. oh fuck like, you know like this is what i'm resi- like you know when you when you, people first get sober you know you're like this is what i'm resigned to like the rest of my life is it like it's like a death sentence and I ended up Googling uh, uh, new NYU Young People Meetings. Right. So I found this meeting called Saturday Beginners, and I walk in, and um, it's the holiday party. And um, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's just like a, there's a great energy to it. You know, the people look like me. There are some young people in there that were my age. Some girls are there. Some girls are there, right. which, like, makes it look like, okay, not everyone's, like, 80 years old in right. this place. yep. You know, the, just the energy. like pe- People, like, you know, the thing I remember
0: is that people looked, like, really, really, really happy. You know, so at this time... We're going to some meetings together and I'm, I just happen to drink afterwards. Yeah. So like, what were you thinking watching me do that? Yeah. It's, it's, it's
1: interesting. I would invite you to some meetings and I would, I would say like, Hey, come here. And like, we would go to some meetings together and like, I'm just going to let him do his own thing. Right. You know, and figure it out. Because I know that like, for me, like if anyone was like telling me where to go or what to do or like how to do it, like it just wouldn't have worked. And like, I knew that I think it would be the same thing for you where like, it was like, you weren't asking me. You weren't, you weren't, you like if if, if you solicit some kind of advice, I would obviously give it to you, but I wasn't gonna like, you know, shove it down your throat or like, or tell you what to do. I just, I knew what you were doing wasn't, wasn't right.
0: A hundred percent. But at the time I thought I sort of had figured it out. Right. So for you, you know, you're in the same boat as me. You think opioids is the, is the problem A. That's, that's ground zero. Right. Alcohol, maybe, maybe right so when you see me and i i don't know maybe i strung together six months no opiates and my life got weirdly better but like right. not not very much so at any point were you like maybe he has the right idea you know truthfully
1: i had like a lot of uh kind of like i don't know but the like, shame is the word but i, I didn't want to relapse like my i think i put my parents through a good amount yeah you know i also have like another like a drunk driving accident in my story where like i almost died yeah i just feel like i put my family through like a lot So, like, I was just kind of, like, white-knuckle it or just just get through, like, a year at least in my head where, like, I wasn't going to put them through some, like, crap again. And, like, I started going to, like, enough meetings and I started working with my sponsor where, like, I knew that, like you know, this mixture or whatever you were trying to figure out wasn't like the right, right idea, but I had like enough fear in me or like, you know, whatever. And I started going to enough meetings where I was like, I'm just going to give this a shot and see, and see where this takes me.
0: Yeah. I remember going on this Vermont trip. (laughs) We all went. Yeah. I know you remember it. And there was probably 10 people and everyone was drinking. You were there and you were sober. And the problem was I was, I couldn't imagine the life without alcohol and you came and like I was watching you and like you were participating in everything we were doing and like you were like having a great time and like that was big for me because I was like well it's like Alan could do it maybe I could do it right and also the other problem obviously was that every time I drank I couldn't say no to drugs right so that was the other problem yeah so if someone said to you like what did drinking do for you like emotionally what would you say
1: what would drinking do for me emotionally? Like, like why I drank? Yeah. Something? You know, I think for me, it was, like I, I drank in good times and in bad times. So like, if I didn't want to feel, you know, if I didn't want to, if I had a bad day, or if I had some like, you know, family issues, you know, it would, it would just take away those negative feelings or whatever was kind of bubbling up inside of me. And then if I wanted to have a good time, you know, it was, it was just a, that extra, you know, lubricant, I guess, to be a little bit, more outgoing or to be a little bit more funny or, you know, to think that I'm a little bit more funny. But, right. um, you know, it was the, it, it was both it, for me, it was, you know, I know some people were different, but for me, it was both the, the good, the, the good times and the bad times. And then we
0: talked about like the cycle. Yeah. You know, like it's like a ride you can't get off of. Yeah. And now I, I've heard people talk about like the, you lose the power of choice. Right. What does that mean to you?
1: yeah i mean you know it, it's kind of like what, going back to like the story that, that i talked about with like the columbia thing like i like we had these intentions of of like doing certain stuff and and just drugs and alcohol got in the way of of, of everything so i uh you know that's when i kind of knew it was up for me because like i i realized that i'd lost the power of choice and not, not and not, you know not not that i didn't have times when i only drank like you know a beer or two a night like that that obviously happened But then there was other times when like I just didn't want to do certain stuff and like that wasn't an option for me. Right. I didn't I wasn't able to do that. And like, you know, now I see other people and I'm like, they obviously have the power of choice. Like like my like my fiance, like she she can drink or not drink she could have a half a glass she can and sometimes she can go and and you know uh and and black out and then have a great time with her girlfriends and and do whatever and dance on tables and then the next day like she'll have a hangover and like never and wouldn't want to do that again for like a month right and like i don't we don't have that 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 ability you know like that's like not in our like the next day when we would have hangover, we don't want to feel like that again.
0: Yeah. I, both of us were like bingers and the fact that we would go like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday hard. And then just like Monday and Tuesday would be like horrible. Like God awful. I wouldn't wish this upon anyone right. sweating, yeah. uh, cold, shivering, everything. And then I would do it again and again and again and again. I'd be like, I can't believe I'm doing this. In that first year, do you think you ever came close to a drink? Um... Like was there a moment where you almost were like, ah, like fuck it? I, I don't
1: remember a, a moment like that in my first year.
0: What was the hardest part? Would you say about just early sobriety in general? Um, the hardest part about early
1: sobriety in, the, in general is, um, you, I, I think you feel like you feel very alone. I, at least I, I felt alone. You know, um, I didn't I didn't know I didn't know anyone. You know, I didn't know anyone that was sober. Um, I still have, like friends, you know, especially in the beginning, like, you're the only one not drinking, yeah. you know, you're the only one and you and I didn't have sober friends, I just felt very alone. I didn't like, have a plan for like life. You know, I didn't I didn't really know how to do anything, not drink, you know, I didn't know how to date. I didn't know how to hang out with friends. I didn't know how to have a, had a good time. I didn't know how to go on vacation without drinking. I didn't know how to, um, to go to like work functions without drinking. So, so figuring all that stuff out, like in the first year, which is obviously able, to, you're able to do, it just takes some time and some like guidance and stuff. But I think in the very beginning, it's like lonely when you're trying to figure all this stuff out. And like, that's why I think like the fellowship of AA helps and, and meeting people very early
0: helps out a lot, you know? Yeah. So when you go to as many meetings as you go to, you hear things that often stick out in your head. And some of them like have had a profound impact on my sobriety. Is there something or like you can say more than one things that someone said, an expression, a phrase, an acronym, anything that you're like, wow, that like really stuck out to me and like you always remembered?
1: In the beginning, I didn't have a sponsor. I was going to meetings and I for whatever reason, and I hear now sometimes, but over and over again in the beginning in the meetings that I would go to, um, I would just always hear if you if you don't do the steps, it's like robbing the bank. And not taking the money, mm. and I just kept hearing that over and over again. And I didn't want to get a sponsor, and I didn't want to get a sponsor. And I just kept hearing that phrase. And I'm like, what do they mean? Like, like what are they talking about? You know, because I didn't know anything. Like, what exactly the steps were, and I, I didn't know like what they were talking about, like dropping the bank. Right. So, um, even though the
0: twelve the steps are plastered on the wall, yeah, and like we say them, but I know what you mean. It's like what what are they? What does this mean? Just right. gods peppered everywhere.
1: Yeah, that like kicked me in the in the ass to go get a sponsor yeah that really helped me out a lot and um just one other kind of quick story that that i uh that i'll tell is um it's not an acronym it's not it's not anything but i try to just keep in the back of my mind in the beginning when you start going to meetings like people say hi to you you and you don't know why they're saying hi to you you don't know why they want your number you don't know why they want any of that stuff you know it's like a thing in AA to like help out the newcomer and like give give back and all that stuff and like i'm pretty bad at it you know i just maybe being hard on myself but like you know at the end of a meeting like i don't want to say hi to people I, I don't to new people i want to see my friends and talk to them and hang out but like so i remember going to this meeting it was a it was in the west village it was a perry street mm-hmm. and i was totally new and like at the end of the meeting this guy comes up to me He's like, hey, take my number. And he's like happy. And I'm like, what does this guy want from me? Like, he's yeah. like, he's like, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, why do you want to know what I'm <laughs> doing tonight, dude? He's yeah. like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. Da, da, da. He's, he's like, and I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to this dinner and like, you know, I don't like really feel like going. I'm like, I'm going to see like my, my family. And he's like, he's like, you know, why don't you just give me a call after, uh, right, right, right before you go to to see your family? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, dude, like whatever and like for whatever reason, you know, I was walking to go see my family and like I just like felt uncomfortable It's was a super it was very being sobriety, they're going to ask me all these questions like my drinking, Am I not, you know, all this stuff. And and like for whatever reason, I I called this guy. I have no idea why. I have no idea. He's a total stranger. I've never seen him again in my life and I called him up and we talked and I'm like I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, all this stuff and he's like, "You know, listen, just go in there." And just, just try to be of service to, to your family and like go help out. And like that, like whatever that advice was, that the conversation like helped me get through that dinner. Yeah. So like if I didn't talk to that guy, if I didn't if he didn't come up to me and like be like the weirdo that I think he was and like giving me his number,
0: like I might have drank that night. I don't know. And you never spoke to him again. I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> but that's so AA, right? Yeah. It's just like that stuff happens mm-hmm. all the time. So you made a lot of amends. How many were on your list, would you say? Um Probably, like, 20, 20 to 30, I would say. That's a lot. Yeah. So out of those, tell me about the one that sticks out the most.
1: Oh, man. I had an a ex-girlfriend that I had to make an amends to. My sponsor kind of, like, I think, not not that he let me go easy, but, like, you know, I didn't have to make that many amends to, like, uh, pass the girlfriends. But this one, I I, I owed her an amends. Yeah. And, uh, she, and, and, you know, I was like trying to avoid the amends. I'm like, I don't have her phone number anymore. I don't like, I have no idea what her email is. And, uh, in typical like AA fashion, he's like, she's on Facebook, right? Right. I'm like, yeah, she's on Facebook. And I'm like, but I'm not friends with her. And he's like, well, you can still message them on Facebook if you're not friends with them. He's like, you're going to have to make this amends on Facebook. I log on the Facebook after like arguing with him for a little bit and, uh, and I click on her name and like. I guess unbeknownst to me, but Facebook saves all the conversations that you've ever had for right. going back. I haven't spoken to this woman in I don't even know how long, like 10 years or something. And, you know, I had some, like, my last conversations with her were, like, not nice, like, yeah. pretty, pretty nasty. And I'm, like, just looking at, like, this stuff. And, like, so I'm, I'm, like, thinking, like, what this woman's gonna see. She's gonna see all my nasty messages and then this amends, <laughs> like, this, like, this offer to make amends to her. Right. Um, and I thought it was going to be like awful. You know, she was going to like trim me into an asshole. And I was just gonna be like really, really bad. You know, I wrote her out this amends and I know she's like married, she has kids and she basically just wrote me a pretty nice message basically just saying like, Thank you for reaching out. And, you know, it's not all good, but thanks. Yeah. And, um, you know, but I don't think we should meet.
0: <laughs> you know? Did you say I'm in uh, a program of recovery? I don't or say. you just said, I'd like to make amends. I, I I don't think I said I'm in a
1: 12-step program. I was still like definitely like uh, very like nervous about my sobriety at that point. Yeah. Maybe she knew, maybe she didn't. But, uh, you know, she said, thanks for reaching out. But, you know, let's let's just like not meet.
0: Yeah. Where do you think that you see the benefits of your sobriety the most in your life?
1: For me, I think uh, the, the most benefits are uh, are in like relationships, you know, like personal relationships. Mm. I think that if I look at like the different relationships that I have in my life, like, you know, we work for ourselves now. But before I had a, like I worked for someone and I had a good relationship with my bosses, which I'd never had before. I think I have a pretty good relationship with my family these days, which I think was a lot more contentious before and wasn't wasn't so great. You know, I think I have a pretty healthy relationship with my with my fiancee where we can like talk and fight and all that stuff. And I think I have a, you know, a much better relationship with my friends now that I'm sober. You know, I, I definitely show up like, I, you know, I have a kind of a wide circle of friends, but like I would not show up to certain events with, for my friends. I would not be there for friends. And I think that that's where I kind of like a lot of the tools of the program come into play and like talking to my sponsor about this stuff and talking to my sponsor about the, the different relationships that I have. Like that's what I really lean on my sponsor for these days. You know, it's uh, it's like what's going on in my life you know, who the relationships in my life and like, how do I make those better? And like, if I'm fucking up or I'm doing something wrong and like, I know that inside, like that's what I go to my sponsor for, you know, it's uh, thankfully the, the drink and the drug things are from kind of few and far between. Yeah. And uh, the benefits really are for me,
0: like relationship wise. I feel like the biggest misconception about AA and recovery is that after three years, four years, 30 years, people who aren't in the program question, like, so why do you still go? Or, or they think, are you still worried you're going to drink? Yeah. Um, I get that a lot. And it's and it is for people to understand that, like, no, like, now it's like I'm here for every other part of my life. Like you said, the relationships. All right, I'll get you out on this one. If you were going to give one piece of advice to a newcomer or someone that's thinking of going into a program, what would it be? Honestly,
1: it would uh, it would just be to give yourself a real shot because that's what I did. I, I gave myself, you know, I said I'm going to do this for six or nine months, and if it doesn't work, then I'm going to go back and go to the bar, which is always always available down the street. And and then what I mean by that is to get a sponsor and then do those steps, so that you can uh, that you can rob the bank and take take the money too, because um, there's really no point. I think in going to meetings and and being in the program, if you're not going to do the entire
0: program, right? I feel like the quicker you buy in and you just stop, like if, at least in my case, the quicker I bought in. It took a while, the 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 faster the benefits will come back your way.
1: Right, I agree. Thanks, man. Thanks for everything. Keep coming back.
0: My thanks again to my friend Alan C for coming on the program today. Just the usual reminder, leave us a good review if you like what you hear. If you have any questions about recovery, AA, uh, or you just want to reach out and give some feedback to me, again, there's two ways to do it. The first is you can find me on Twitter. It's at KCB podcast. And the other one is you can email directly and it's keepcomingbackpodcast at gmail.com. Again, I'm Mike S. You've been listening to another episode of Keep Coming Back, real stories of sobriety and recovery. And I'll see you next time.